Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Hey, gang. Welcome to my Office 365 show. I'm Lisa, your hostess, and this is show number 65. And in the next four shows, I will have been on 100 shows total since 2010. I had to do the math the other day. So I was like, how many have I been on now? It seems like a lot. So this is number 96 of 100. So in a few here, we'll have maybe um, kind of a special uh, show 100, but it's not the official show 100, but I've been on 100. So anyway, welcome to the show. Um, I, if you want to check out the show notes, you can go to office, excuse me, callthatgirl.biz slash office365. That's where all the show notes will be, links to the YouTube shows, sponsor links, and of course, you can hit the past shows there. And if, also, if you want to do the uh, the feed burner for the Podbean, that's callthatgirl.podbean.com. Now, so for those that are new to the show, what's this show about? Well, it's basically about me and my Outlook stories, Office 365, jobs I've done, how I fix things, funny stories, issues that are trending. And this past summer, I've been having some guests because it's kind of common, I guess, in the podcasting world to have slow summers. So I thought, well, why don't we have some guests on and try to, you know, get in some new people. And so this past summer, I've had uh, Carl Palachuk, uh, Paul Cunningham, Robert Crane, Super Tech Boy, Brian Mayo from Tech Nibble, and um, a few others. And so, you know, the, those those folks all have different interests in Office 365. So make sure you check out those old shows. And before we get going, I need to take a minute to thank our friends over at App River. They are our show sponsor here. I've worked with App River now for uh, well over three and a half years now. And uh, someone asked me the other day in a tech forum how many migrations I've done. And I don't remember how many before App River, but since App River, I've done over 600 mailboxes and 130 domains. So if you do the math, there's you know, about five or six mailboxes average. Some of the mailboxes I've done were you know 85, some of them are just one, so it all averages out. But App River has been my partner. Um, I am not a reseller, but they do offer reseller um, plans. So if you want to uh, resell it, and MSP companies use them because they're backup for them. And if you, here's what I tell people. If you don't want to call Microsoft, you want to use a vendor because these guys have their own in-house engineers, and I never have to call Microsoft, and I love it. So if you want to contact my rep, his name is Steve Harris, sharris at appriver.com. All right, gang, so this show today is not going to really have a theme because I haven't done a show by myself in quite a while. It's, I don't know, it's been a few weeks anyway. And uh, the last show I had up was with uh, Gareth, uh, Super Tech Boy. And so I've been kind of working on some marketing strategies for the show, and Gareth has been just a super awesome, uh, he's a social media guy. So this last show I put out with him, I've been trying to do more work on the show itself. And uh, his downloads, I mean, as of right now, we're at 655 in 12 days. So that is awesome. So thank you, Gareth, <laughs> for that. And I'm hoping, you know, to gain some more audience listeners by getting some guests that can, you know, get the show out to other people. So if you are listening and you want to be a guest on the show and talk about whatever you do, uh, make sure to email me, lisa at callthatgirl.biz. Anyway, so like I was saying, the show this week is going to be just a lot of different topics. Um, I am going to talk in the later half of the show about some things, um, the, the problems that happened and how I for sure um, learned from that repair. There's a lot of jobs that I did in the last couple of weeks that I actually learned a really big lesson, and I'm going to share those with you guys because uh, nine years of being in business, and I still learn every day. I don't get, <laughs> isn't there a day that I'm just like, everything's just a great day? No, I have to learn every day something and the little learning things sometimes don't matter, but these all here were pretty big takeaways for me and I hope that they will help you and your business too. Okay, so um, I've been asked for the last few years to do some Outlook training uh, videos or webinar for technicians only. And what the techs want to do is they want to learn how to troubleshoot Outlook and learn all the little things I know. And I don't feel competitive by offering this out. 
but I have tried in the past to um, market and nobody signed up for the courses. So of course I was kind of like a little bummed out. I was like, well, if people aren't signing up, they don't want to do it. So the first time I did it was two years ago and I put it on hold because only two people signed up. And then I decided, I'll scratch that. I'm just going to make regular Outlook videos. And I made a series of nine. They're really awesome. And those kind of didn't sell well. I don't think people really want training. I think some people feel like they have to do training for their company. So they have to go buy these things and people don't want them. But I'm not saying that was a dead project. I'm just saving it for later kind of thing. But anyway, I was uh, inspired by one of the members of the IT bug on Facebook to get in there and try it again. So I thought, well, this time I'm going to do a Kickstarter campaign, make it a real big deal. But so then I spent some time prepping a Kickstarter campaign, which, by the way, is a lot of work. <laughs> okay, that's just not easy either. And uh, luckily, I have all my notes from the two years ago when I was going to do the webinar. So all I have to do is update that. So, I mean, I'm thinking I'm set, right? And then I got thinking about it again, and I was like, what if I do all this work? I launch a Kickstarter and like 10 people buy it, which... I can't put out this massive of a training, which it's going to be massive to 10 people. I just can't do it. So then I thought, well, maybe today I'll put out a survey. Okay. And the survey is just to generate how many people would be interested. So I put it out there on the IT bog and on technable. And uh, those are the two places only. And I got a, you know, a few responses today. Um, I could tell, you know, it's people that are watching the forums that actually are interested and it wasn't all that many comparatively, um, so that's a good guide for me to know what the market is uh, wanting, you know, based upon how many people. I'll check on my links later, how many people clicked on it. Well, so anyway, if you want to, and if you're listening here, a lot of you folks are on podcasts, and I know, or sorry, uh, your phones and stuff. So if you want to do the survey, I'm giving away a free ebook. all right? And uh, you know I've got the six ebooks out, so if you do the survey, you can pick one of the books. Since you're on your phone or your tablet or wherever, if you just want to shoot me an email and just put uh, survey in the subject, I'll email you back the link. So it's a little easier for you. Uh, email me, Lisa, at callthatgirl.biz. And moving ahead, I'm going to try to do some more giveaways on the show here. Um, I've got the ebooks, I got the videos, of course, and I might actually do some tech time also. That if, um, if I give away some tech time, I'll do a quiz or something. You guys can. Uh, try to guess things or whatever. I'm not sure, but I'm going to add that to the show. And um, if I do tech time, it'll be like 15 minutes of tech help or something for an outlook issue. Okay. So let's see here. Um, what else did I want to update you guys on? Did that, did that. Oh, in my Facebook group, uh, the office 365 one, I got to tell you guys how awesome that show is. Excuse me. That group is becoming we're starting to get more and more people i think we're almost at 200 now and uh it's you know sometimes groups are slow to get going and this group i'll be honest is still not a really uh fast-paced group at all um but what i'm liking about it yeah we're actually 200 members right now um what i like about it though is that techs that have problems have been coming to the group and as a group we're all helping each other fix these weird problems and I'm going to talk about two of the problems later on in the show here that the group actually, we all helped each other. And it was so awesome. And that's what makes me so happy to own a group like this. So if you're interested, um, the Facebook group, I'll put it in the show notes. It'll probably be easier if you, uh, if you go to the website and click on it on the show notes because it's kind of a long URL here on the Facebook page. But anyway, uh, I'll, I'll just accept you if you, if you want to join in. Okay, and then let's see other news this week. I actually broke down and bought a Macintosh. Um, I got very lucky. I bought it from one of my Facebook friends in in the groups that we're in, and she told me that I put a little call for a Mac post out there, and she said, this is my first Mac. I upgraded. I don't need it, and I'll sell it to you. And this little Mac is so darn cute, and it is so clean. Thank you, Mary. That's her name. And uh, she shipped it to me within a few days. I had it. And lo and behold, I needed it for a job the second I got it. And this is why I got the Mac. It's not for me to learn and use for every day. It's for me to fix Outlook problems with. And I'll talk about that in the show today, too. One of my clients had a big 
disaster. But uh, I love that I have this, and it's it's uh, just handy for me. And um, I haven't had a Mac in a long time, <laughs> but I am getting a lot of calls for Macs now, and it's definitely worth it. So if you are out there and you get enough Mac calls, go try to find a um, try to find a uh, little just a cheap one to have around just to help you with these little jobs and such. Okay, I think that's my updates for the most part. I have one more, though. Um, I know a lot of my listeners are MSP guys and girls. Uh, I decided to start hitting the convention slash, you know, conference circuit. And my first one is MSP World, and it's in about three weeks. And uh, I'm very excited to get out there. And you guys maybe heard me on the show with Gareth. He's going to be at the IT Dev Conference that's right next door. And, you know, I started looking at other conferences, and I started finding more in Las Vegas. So I've got uh, two more I'm going to hit here before I start traveling to go to them. And uh, so if anybody is interested in going to MSP World, you know, let me know, and I'll totally hook up with you there. I don't have any room in my tiny apartment now, unfortunately, for guests, but uh, I can maybe (laughs) meet up with you anyway. Okay, so this week's topic is kind of called what I learned from this job. (laughs) I don't know how else to title it because there's so many foobard things and foobard and things that got horked up. And, and, you know, in our world, we're used to that, but man, I got to tell you, some of these actually took detective work for me to figure out. And it was pretty, pretty bad. Um, first job I'm going to talk about is actually not a job that happened to me, but a guy from my Facebook group. And, you know, he put out there a call for help And you know what? He basically said that they had done a migration and they found out that the clients, or excuse me, the, well, how do do I word it? That all of the systems were not uh, compatible with Office 365's office. So that was an unexpected snag and how to deal with that snag, you know? Well, that's where I've kind of learned that the more you put into your forms, I mean, that's a hundred users that had to get upgraded. That was unexpected. That's quite a bit. So I've learned that I create as many expectations on my client agreement form as I can come up with. And that's what I said to him is, well, he was actually asking how to fix it. And I said, well, here's what I would say, but here's what you should do in the future is for sure put in your contract that any software assistance is billable by the hour. And you got to make sure you're clear with that. Um, That kind of correlates with one of my stories this week is after reading his post I had a migration of 11 people and I looked at the form I have them fill out and it said Outlook 2007 and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, that 2007 is a snag for upgrades and I already know that it ain't going to work also with um, Exchange, um, you know, Office 365 Exchange. So I said, okay, we're going to upgrade you before the migration. Now, luckily, I'm doing that one for free for the client because I didn't tell her that before I changed my form. Okay. But the software wasn't included, which normally I don't even have to deal with it, but there's some people out there with still this outlook 2007. And that was my biggest learning lesson was, you know, it just doesn't work. And I can't believe I didn't have this problem in the past. So now it's definitely for sure. And she only had three computers that had to be upgraded. So it wasn't like a lot, but here's what I do for the 2007 downgrade is you have to remove it completely uninstall it, remove it, reboot, and then install. Uh, I installed 2013, by the way, Um, and that usually works. I'm still not a fan of 2016 at all. But uh, today I got lucky because, oddly, I went to remove 2007, I rebooted, and it was still freaking there, but it wasn't in the add remove programs, and it wasn't in repo uninstaller. So I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) I am not going to brute force this out. So I installed 2013 and it actually worked. Didn't have any problems. So that made me happy, but uh, I got lucky, I guess, on that one, I'll say. But uh, so anyway, um, that's the one thing I learned was to have those expectations set before the migration. So we don't have that oopsies. And, you know, 100 uh, upgrades is pretty brutal with 2007. I don't remember what he had, but, you know, whatever. Could have been 2003. Who knows? And that does happen sometimes out there. Folks, that's why I like my forms that say all those those questions. And now I'm definitely just on my game with watching for that. And 
making sure next client we don't have that issue. All right, and then I had another tech, you know, just to let you guys know that I've been doing a lot of tech to tech help. That's what I'm calling it. Techs that are calling me, techs from the groups on the Facebook and Technable that say, you know, look, can you help me with this? Or can I just refer you a client? I get that often. Well, this guy, I don't know if he was from my show or from one of the groups or whatever, but uh, he said, look, I have uh, seven users that are having a problem with delayed mail and a few other snags. So I took the job as a one-hour consult, and, uh, you know, I did all my standard troubleshooting for IMAP. And, you know, the lady didn't even have much email, but I just couldn't figure out why I was delaying. I did my normal testing and troubleshooting. And what it came down to is I said, so every one of these users are having this issue. So we got seven computers with seven different outlooks or they're not connected. They're not in the cloud together, you know, whatever. And um, I said, I honestly think that the whole IMAP maybe needs to be refreshed uh, from the hosting company. And I've had GoDaddy do this in the past. When, when IMAP is having issues, you have to have them do a refresh. Now, I don't know how IMAP is set up with these companies under one umbrella or whatever, but I said, look, you, it's the only thing I would do next. If you were not a technician calling me and you were just a client, I would have you call your host, your email host, and say, look, we've had a technician look at it, and we need the mailboxes refreshed. And it only takes them a couple minutes to do. It's not a big rebuild, and it's not a big deal. And um, if you ever have to have GoDaddy do it, I will give you a heads up. First-level people don't even know what that is. All right. You have to talk to a second level person and you have to tell them you've done the troubleshooting and you know that this will fix it. And then they go, oh, OK, yeah, I can have that done. It'll take a couple hours. So it's like, you know, it's really hard to get anybody at GoDaddy to actually work. But, you know, if you get forceful enough with them, they will do it. OK, I've had to do it a few times. And uh, the tech has to get back to me on that. But I just wanted to tell you guys about that because. IMAP is getting sticky, man. I'm going to just shut that off. It's getting so annoying. And, uh, you know, when it breaks, it breaks pretty bad. And I feel bad for people, especially people that have a lot of mail. But uh, luckily, this lady didn't have all that much. But there's seven people. Okay, let's see what else is next. So then I had a fellow this morning give me a call. And he is the IT guy at a pretty big company in uh, Oklahoma. And uh, this is this is my heart, my heart going out to these guys. Okay, and he says, "Well, I'm the IT guy, and we've had a few people look at this, and here's what we've done." And he starts rattling off all the troubleshooting, and, and what they had was an in-house server, and the owner, of course, of the company could not, uh, they couldn't get his um, his new Outlook 2016 to connect to the Exchange server, and nothing else had changed. You know, they didn't change anything on the server. And blah, blah, blah. And like this guy said, two other people have looked at it and they couldn't figure it out. And they did all this like, I, I, I giggle. They did firewall stuff. They looked at the network. They looked at all this stuff. And that's what techs do. But see, I look at things from another point of view. You know, like what else could it be? Simple, right? And uh, I told the guy, look, I'm not going to bill you for this. Why don't you try this? Call me back. And all I said was my favorite words in the whole wide world. And you know what I'm going to say? Downgrade to 2013. And what do you know? He emailed back a few hours later and said that worked. So I'm telling you guys, trust me, <laughs> 2016 is just not reliable. And if you are getting lucky and you have reliable 2016, awesome. I'm happy for you. But for you techs out there that are having the struggles, and I'm going to guess the struggles come from us being break-fix techs, like we're not managing the network, or we're not managing the software, then, you know, the easiest solution is to downgrade them because now Microsoft allows you to downgrade in the Office 365 subscription, and then they can upgrade at any time when it's more reliable. But for right now, I will simply still not install it from scratch. If I'm in charge of installing it, I always select 2013. I don't even tell the clients anymore I'm downgrading them because there's no point because I'm the one that's going to have to fix it because they're my clients. So I'm like, you know, of course I can make more money if I keep billing them, but I'm like, I generally don't want people to keep calling in for problems of like that. 
So that guy was happy. And yes, I could have billed it, but I decided to throw him a bone. And I was like, you know what, dude, he sounds like he's had a hard day. <laughs> and I bet he was happy when that job was over. And I was on the phone with him maybe six minutes and maybe next time they'll call me. And I don't know, that was my nice girl thing to do today. Okay, then last Saturday, I took kind of an emergency call from a fella. Um, he was really chatty with me on my contact thing on my website. So I was like, you know what? I got really nothing to do this morning. I'll help this guy, right? And, of course, he's got an iCloud issue. And iCloud, even though I know how to troubleshoot it pretty well now, it's still not any of my favorite third-party apps by any means. But, uh, you know, he told me everything was backed up. I was like, cool. I get in there. And I started looking at his stuff, and he's, now this guy, he could have worked for me. He had already done every single thing I would have done. And that's why I kind of felt bad in the beginning, like, man, this guy has done everything I would have done, so how do I fix that? But I did, and I did fix it, but here's what I ended up figuring out. So I always back up, always back up contacts calendar from the iCloud before I do any work. And that is just in case iCloud fucks up, which it possibly could, okay? So for all you techs out there doing break fix, always back that up, always, because then you can work freely and you could import it in later if it, if it breaks. But then I started noticing this funky button at the top of iCloud I've never seen before that kind of like got me interested in this job a little bit more. I was like, how often do you see that wrong password button? And the client was like, Oh, I see it, you know, here and there. And I'm like, I've never seen it before. He goes, yeah, I, I just have been ignoring it. I'm like, well, hmm, I don't want to ignore that button because that actually is something to me that doesn't look right. So I went and I, I did Google it and I read through a few of the forums. And interestingly, people were saying that iTunes had an update and corrupted it and brought that button there. I was like, thank you, interwebs. So I went into and told them, I said, look, we need to uh, uninstall your iTunes, reboot and test it. And what do you know? It worked lickety split after that. And uh, I was like, I never would have even thought of iTunes because I don't work with iTunes, right? Well, a few days before this client, I had another iCloud issue. And I think that iTunes was causing it now that I helped him. Because apparently I think there was an update that came out and they both had Windows 10. And uh, that Windows 10 is still kind of weird with updates. So that was his fix and he was happy. And that was a full hour job too. And after I got done doing the iCloud job, I was like, you know what? Should I even do iCloud anymore? I mean, really, it's really a home user thing, but then I get business clients on it. And the thing is the last business client I helped, well, I turned that into a 11 person migration job. So I'm like, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Like I'm like thinking, you know, I want out and then I got to stay in because it's still good money. These businesses out there still use iCloud sometimes and that is scary. So let's get them into exchange, people. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. And then, oh, I don't know, last Friday or so. Well, actually, you wouldn't even know the dates. Um, took a call from a company in New York that had uh, the client had upgraded on a Mac to 2016 last summer. And after the upgrade, they lost all of their old data. Now, I've never seen that really happen before in 2016 when you upgrade. Everything should just migrate over, right? So that got me a little suspicious. Like, where else was this data? Was it on a cloud base that got disconnected? Was it on an external hard drive? So the, their technician actually um, remoted in with me, and we did a scope, and it was about... Oh, like 30 minutes or so. And him and I were going through everything. And finally, I was like, you know what? When you uninstall 2011, sometimes you get the error that says everything's going to be deleted. I've seen that a few times and usually it doesn't. So I said, let's go look in the trash. And the tech goes, no, he cleans his trash out. And I was like, well, let's go look anyway. And what do you know? The two identities were in the trash. Thank goodness. <laughs> one was 14 gigs. The other one was 19 gigs. And I said, let's get an external hard drive and put that right on there. Okay. 
Now, unfortunately, um, the client had a really full hard drive, so it really made it challenging to do any repairs on there. And I'm going to tell you that I kind of guessed it was corrupted already based upon it being in the trash and it being probably deleted by the program. But then again, the client could have deleted it too, thinking they don't need it. I don't know. It doesn't matter at this point. So then I moved the data over to another Mac, and that Mac was out of space. So I couldn't get all of the data repaired I needed to. So then we went back to the main computer, the back Mac, the main Mac. And uh, in short, I couldn't get the repairs done I needed to. So I said, let's take it over to, um, let's put it on the Dropbox and send it over to my new Mac. And the client's Dropbox fold up. So I was like, okay, now we're doomed. <laughs> we had three full drives. And um, so now I have all of the data. They, they shipped me a disk overnight. And now I have the data on my Mac, not on the external. And I have this new product I've been testing. I'll tell you what it is. It's so far working. I mean, I bought it and I've been testing it. It's called Glad. Um, no, what is it? Gladware, I think. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's called OLK14messagerecovery.com, I think. And it's uh, 79 bucks. And I've installed on my Mac now. Um, I really like it. It works well. And their tech support is really good. So I really like their tech support people. They, were, they helped me actually the first round on this client's computer for like six hours. They kept their chat window open and they completed the job even with me not there. And I was like, nice. They, I really like that. They're very professional. And they left me notes at the end of the job, which was cool. And usually these clients or these, uh, you know, they're happy to get you off chat as soon as possible. I don't know why they're so happy to get you off chat. They just got to go to another client. <laughs> I never get that about customer service people that want to get you off the phone quick. I'm like, so you can go run to another client you don't want to talk to? Anyway. So I'll have to fill you guys in on that repair when I'm done because now I get to do data recovery for another few days here on this Mac, no doubt. But now that I got it here sitting on my desk, it feels all cozy here. <laughs> I love it. All right, and then uh, I was working with a client that's been using um, a cable company email that's free for their business. And uh, I think there's seven computers there are a whole bunch of the employees are sharing the free accounts. It kind of got to be a convoluted mess. And about four hours into me cleaning up all of this data and all this stuff and upgrading all their outlooks, I was like, I think you guys should move to exchange, at least for some of your business accounts. So what we did was um, we bought three exchange mailboxes and we're going to forward a few of the free, uh, the free cable ones to the new exchange and then that will then, of course, that can be um, viewed by all three of the employees. Actually, there's four. Two of them share. And uh, that's a nice solution. So when I've heard tech say these on the forums that they can't get their clients to get off the free email. Well, honestly, it's not a full migration. If you think of it this way, you're just buying the mailboxes. You're setting it up in Outlook and run the control, you know, the admin controls to set them up and install it and then set up a forwarding. So I, I really gave this guy a pretty simple solution. It'll cost him 15 bucks a month, which is affordable for three people. My time on it's probably gonna be a couple hours. So 270 bucks. And you know, I don't have to migrate all the mail because it's already on PST files in the outlook. So it's really just setting it up. So I think I wanted to, the reason why I told you guys that is because that's how I'm going to start probably moving forward with some of my clients that are using the free, and most of mine that are using the free are using Gmail, and they just love that Gmail. So that might be a nail-biter for me to get them over. But, but we'll see. That was just something I learned that uh, wasn't hard. I told him how great it would be, the calendar, if he really liked and wanted that. Okay, so then I'm going to go back to that job I just talked about with the Mac. So I forgot to tell you guys what I learned is... Um, I don't get data recovery jobs often, but when I do, they are pretty brutal and they can go from two hours to 13 hours. It all depends on what's going on with the data, the integrity of it and how long it takes me to repair. I don't 
always bill for, uh, in fact, I do not bill for the watch time, you know, while it's doing stuff. But uh, a lot of the times I have to bill appropriately, and so I do. But the one thing I learned about this job is that I decided to create a data recovery agreement form because I want to make sure that people have the right expectations moving ahead. Like with these Outlook PST repairs, those are generally not too hard, but, you know, they can be. And I saw I, um, I'll put it up in the show notes so you guys can look at it and feel free to borrow it if you need to. But it's basically like seven things that just say, um, you know, what, what can happen and the expectations and what I expect you to pay for. And I want you to be aware of that before you do this. Let me go grab the form real quick and I'll, I'll just rattle it off here real quick. Because I was kind of like, I feel like a lot of these jobs, I, I say it's going to take this much time and it ends up being like a super long time. And, and I just want to make sure I get enough money for me to put in all the work. And even if there's no data to get back, which can happen. Everything can be corrupted. Yeah, I'm trying to find that form. Here it is. Okay. So um, I actually say to them, data recovery expectations. I understand that the data recovery can take many days, even weeks for data to be recovered. I understand that data can be so corrupted that it cannot be repaired. <laughs> I understand that there will be a fee for the labor, time, and work involved, even if the data is not recovered. I understand that I might be asked to purchase recovery tools if the technician does not have them, which sometimes can happen. I own a lot of tools, but uh, if I have them buy it, it's for a reason, because I can't move my tech license over to theirs, you know, like... Like we have our tech licenses, we're not going to share it with on their computers. And remember, I'm remote only. And finally, I understand that my data may not be recovered with me, or sorry, I understand that my data may be recovered with many other files that are not usual. So with some of the data recovery, you've seen the recovered lost files, and it's full of junk. And unfortunately, I'm not going to clean all that junk up. They can clean that up. I might show them how to do it, but I can't do it. And um, I just have a checkbox that says all must be checked so you understand what to expect during this recovery effort. And I called an effort because I do a good job at getting data back usually, but I can't control if, uh, if you know, I don't even know what happened before I had it. Um, I think I might add to this form, what have you done to try to fix it and a few other things. I haven't launched the form yet because I haven't got a job in for it. But maybe just a few other details, so I have it. But usually I get that in the, the client consult anyway. But, yeah, I'm still, I don't know how many hours I've been on that job. I've only billed for three. I think I've got about six now. Um, I was tracking at one point, and then I decided I'm not going to be able to bill for this all. And especially I have that guilt factor if I don't get it. And it's not killing me. But the form moving ahead is the winner of all this, I think, you know. That's where I love learning is that I'm going to be able to bill next time because I have that form. And yes, I could probably do it now too, but I just kind of feel sometimes it doesn't always go that way. Alrighty. And then I had an interesting, well, they're all interesting, the weird ones I do, but uh, I had a call, I think it was almost two Fridays ago now from a fella who runs a marketing company and we all know these marketing companies, right? I mean, I'm going to be nice about it. But they just sometimes think that email is just nothing. It's just create an account and you have email. They don't know Outlook. They don't know how the phones work. They don't know Exchange. Um, I've dealt with these folks for a long time. They just set up the accounts and let people go on their way. That's probably why I get so much work. Well, this guy said that uh, the company had... Um, had a GoDaddy do their migration. It was all bad. Things weren't working. There was five users. I think there's seven users and they all were having different problems and half of them couldn't get their outlook to work. And they were having, it was, let's just put it this way, a big mess. It was a huge mess. And I said, well, um, <laughs> stupid me. Now I'm not even trying to underquote here, folks. I said, well, it's probably going to be around three hours. I was doing the math, seven people, if I remote in and just fix it my way quick. Okay, this this did not really go quick. And um, I got I to gotta admit that there was a lot to be learned here at this job too. Uh, so anyway, the long and short of this story is I remoted into a few of the computers and 
I kept finding the same pattern was happening was it was connecting me to their old exchange. And I was like, what's going on? Why won't it connect? And I know the auto discovers troubleshooting, right? I know it. I started working on stuff. And then, well, actually, before I did that, I was actually fixing their old exchange. I was thinking that that was on the new. I didn't even think to go look there because it looked current. So anyway, I helped the um, I helped them for a couple hours that Friday, a couple Fridays ago. Got a lot of the stuff done, and then I was kind of like figuring out that this auto discover is not connecting. And this is my first time of having to troubleshoot this and all the, you know, migrations I've done. So I was really bothered by it. Like, you know how you get when you're working on a job and you're like, why can't I freaking figure this out? I know what I'm doing, right? Well, interestingly, I was trying to do the math and I'm like, okay, if all of these people can't get on Auto Discover, there has to be something local going on. I was like, firewall or or something, you know, and because I'm not an exchange, you know, technician, I wouldn't have known a lot of these things. And you guys that know it are probably laughing at me right now going, ha ha, I know what you did not know, Lisa. You know what I mean? I know. So anyway, about three days before this, though, a guy in the Facebook office, 365 group, put a similar post out there, and we had helped him fix his, not me, but some other guys did. And so I put my own post out, and we all kind of like, oh, I put my own post out after I figured it out. So, and the long and short of this job was, is that it was the local DNS settings on the server, for the DNS server needed to get upgraded to the new autodiscover.outlook.com. And I will tell you that this is so rare and it will never be forgotten, friends. I will never forget this as long as I live because it was so brutal. And I call it the five-hour learning lesson because I couldn't build for those five hours. The, the marketing person actually paid me out of their own pocket for this, which is that was how important the client was to them. So, so anyway, we got it fixed. I called their, their IT guy. I said, go update that, please, right now. Once he did, all the outlooks set up just fine. It was like heaven. But then they had aftercare. And you know what? Because I already gave them five free hours, and I did a big learning lesson on this, I kind of had to close the project and said, no, no, it's done. You know, we're done with the free work because I'd already done five free hours. And uh, the, the marketing person um, was happy with my work, but the, they still had snaggy little calls. And I said, well, at this point, you know, you've already paid three hours out of your own pocket for something that wasn't your problem. It was actually, you know, I've got to say, it was really nobody's problem. But GoDaddy did not send it to a second level person, probably, that would have figured that out, I hope. I mean, I'm hoping that somebody at GoDaddy would have been at a second level, been able to say, oh, hey, yeah, it's connecting to the old server, you know, and and not our new Office 365 server, but nobody caught that. And I think he said that they'd been on the phone with GoDaddy for six hours trying to fix that. So that's pretty sad. Well, okay. So anyway, I told the guy that moving ahead, um, the clients need to pay me for help. I'm not going to allow him really to pay for it anymore because it would be the project that never ended. You know how that goes. Anytime you do something for free, it just never stops. So I, I kind of put the hold on that. The clients bought a ticket, and now I've got them into my schedule, and I help them with their issues in 30-minute increments like all my other clients. And my learning lesson from that was next time somebody calls me from a marketing company or similar that wants my help, I'm going to do more um, investigation on the job before I do it, and I'm going to be really clear of my billing, kind of like the data recovery and I don't think I want the marketing people to pay anymore. It, it was really kind of a guilt thing. Like I felt bad for the guy and I really want the clients to pay now and be like, yeah, well, you know what? If seven people had my VIP migration done, let me figure out what that would have been. I think I said 1900 bucks. So 1900 bucks is what they would have paid to have it done in one day to have it, you know, one day sink aftercare. And, uh, I, you know, I pretty much didn't do the migration. GoDaddy did do it in the cloud. But I'm like, you know, next time I'm going to have the clients pay. And I don't want the marketing person to pay because the marketing person was kind of involved in the job. And, they're, you know, they're not technical. There's really no need for it. And um, he was a nice guy. I mean, he left me a great review, and I really like him. But it just kind of, you know, I just want to get to the problem and try to get it fixed. But 
Yeah, so the, watch out for those DNS updates for that auto discover. That was kind of really, really, really difficult, but I was so happy. It was like I got my my tech on, you know. I was like doing my little squirrel dance from uh, what's that show, Caddyshack? You know, the little chipmunk who dances. I was doing that all day, and I was pretty giddy. <laughs> it made me really happy, and that's why I was like, ah, oh, screw those five hours. Who cares? Alrighty, uh, so then I had um, this lady from New York call with, uh, she too was having some issues with her iTunes. I hate the iTunes. But anyway, after, I think she had upgraded to 2016 and she had a bunch of problems and oh my God, she had like five calendars, five levels of contacts, big mess, nothing was syncing with iTunes. And I got to tell you, I was pretty proud of myself. I did that whip-ass job in one hour, almost to the minute. And I closed by saying, okay, if you have any more problems, we're going to start a new ticket and continue from there on. And I did offer her the option of getting a prepaid ticket because that's how I close now, very firmly with, we are done with this project. If you need me again, you have to pay another full hour. Well, not even 10 minutes later, <laughs> of course, she sends me an email. All my texts have no names in it. I'm like, oh, my God, of course. Something happened with the contacts, obviously, with the iTunes sync with the phone. So I know that there's a syncing problem or, excuse me, something. And it was late at night and she, for me, and, and she was in New York. I think it was like midnight, her time, nine my time. I don't know why I was working that late, but. So anyway, I said, well, okay, I'm going to have to help you tomorrow. So she spent like an hour with Apple Care on the phone, and they couldn't fix it. So she was kind of getting antsy, and I said, well, we have to put you on my calendar, you know. I mean, she could still do stuff. It was just the names were gone. And I had her, in the meanwhile, I had to do some emails between her back and forth trying to figure out some stuff to make sure I was on the right track. And I said, okay, well, we have to schedule another appointment, and I'll get your credit card at that time. All right, so at the appointment time, I, uh, you know, in the beginning, we fixed and did some more fine-tuning in our outlook, maybe almost 20 minutes worth, so she had more to do. A lot, of, a lot of my people love fixing the fonts and the views and all the little stuff that makes them all cozy, how they had it before. I showed them a few little fun things. But then it came down to it, and I was looking at her contacts, and I'm like, you know, something does seem messed up in her contacts and outlook. They're all, like, empty with no phone numbers. And I was like, what happened? And then I started remembering that I always remember where the client's PST files were. And I was like, let's just go look at an old PST file. I removed from her view because she said it was old and she didn't need it anymore. And I did export all the contacts out already because I always do before I remove anything. Why? Because I got to back my shit up because of cases like this. And uh, it actually backed up five contact folders by the way, I went and added the big one. And what do you know? All the contacts there had all the phone numbers in it. I said, oh, client, I bet you anything we imported in some dead contact list that you had before you started piling in phone numbers. So I imported that in. We did another sync and everything was happy as a client. And that was another full hour job, full hour. So that's why I don't like closing jobs, just leaving them randomly open. Because a lot of people think that they pay for that hour and you have to fix everything in that hour. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's why jobs go into two to four hour jobs because we're not done yet. And I haven't got a complaint like that in a long time. But that's why I make sure people know at the end of the hour. And sometimes I say, we're going to start the second hour. So I need your credit card or I'm going to take another hour. And I take that hour on the hour. I don't wait. I take the money as soon as that second hour starts because... I don't like chasing invoices and I don't want to deal with that stuff. And to me, it's just, you know, when you close a job, you tell them it's over because they will have a problem. I guarantee it. It's almost gotten to the point that I'm thinking, should I just always sell two hour tickets? Because I would rather have somebody have a two hour ticket with me. And let's say the job goes into an hour and five minutes and I put down in the ticket one hour, five minutes. Then I wouldn't feel so bad if they called me a few days later and had a quick problem because they have credit with me, you know, but otherwise it's a full one hour job again. And I don't, then I, then I feel weird charging somebody for 10 minutes. 
But I can tell you I did try the two-hour minimum a while ago, and uh, it didn't sell well, so I decided not to do that. But I have changed my mind that when I do cold call-in appointments, I'm just going to start telling people, yep, that sounds like two hours. So then I get the expectation, because nothing is really ever five, ten minutes. We know that. So if I start saying, yeah, it sounds like two hours, I'll, I'll bill for that. And then it's up to me then to refund the hour if I want or to leave it open for them. It just saves it. And then there, I think there's also less of an urgency to rush that hour call because a lot of clients want a lot done in that hour because I'm expensive. So I think maybe knowing it's two hours, they will relax a little bit more. And I have, like I said, I can be lenient if I need to. Okay. And then let's see her. And I had another lady that I'm going to have on as a guest. So I'm not going to talk too much about her issue because she's going to come up. But she's going to be my first guest that's coming on to talk about her drama with this tech company. That's one of the ones on the internet that we all see. This one's not a popular one, but it's just, you know, when a company tries to be everything, it can actually end up being nothing. And, uh, I think <laughs> I have to laugh. She'll tell the story, but she signed up for a $30 a month subscription to get all inclusive, unlimited tech support. Are you freaking nuts? This company is nuts and they must have spent eight to 10 hours with her on fixing stuff that I fixed and corrected in like no time flat. And that's the difference between calling a generic random 800 number tech company versus an expert. Well, they called me because they were at that point, like sick of that company not fixing it. But um, I'm going to have her on, I think in the next show or the show after that. And she, she's going to tell all the fun stories as a client's point of view. And then I'll tell you guys how I end up fixing it. All right, and then let's see, just another tip for you folks who use RoboForms or your clients use RoboForms or you you sell it or whatever. Those RoboForms and Outlook just don't play really nice. Not for me anyway. Whenever I see a client with a RoboForm, it almost never works. I have to exit out of it so I can do my stuff. And uh, there's also this new app password thing that's been coming around lately. Um, all the, the big companies are doing it. So if you want to use, let's say Yahoo email with Outlook, you have to get an app password that's different than their Yahoo password. And actually that's a perfect company to mention because they just got hacked today, 500 million accounts. It's uh, September 22nd, by the way. But anyway, um, so just keep in mind that people's Yahoo or a lot of these like outlook.com does it too. Even even Office 365 Exchange has it. I think it's called multi-factor, though. I haven't had to do with it too much. Uh, or two-factor is one way, but the multi-factor. But anyway, these um, they have a different password just for that. And actually, the client showed me his Yahoo like devices set up. Man, he had a lot of them in there. And each one of them had their own password. I was like, holy shit, this is brutal now for me because I'm like the most expensive password resetter in the world. So I'm like going, now I definitely need a two-hour consult or two-hour appointment, I think, at this point. Because I, I have to deal with all these changes, and it is quite a bit. All right, excuse me. So, um, yeah, that was just something for me to to kind of you know, gather my, my head around going, okay, and then the RoboForms and people not remembering their passwords anyway. It's just more work. It's not even like work. That's just silly stuff. That's stuff I should be having a first level tech do. I should be doing the surgery, not prep surgery. And that's what all that is. Oh yeah. Anyway. Okay. And then I'm going to close out my last job here was I had, um, one of the guys from the Facebook group, you know, who's joking when I was bitching about how I get all these free consults I offer out and people, you know, they talk for 10, 15 minutes for me to end up saying at the end, well, here's my rates. And then uh, they either bill or they'll either book with me or they won't, right? So this guy was like, why don't you just take the free consult off your website? And I was like, what? I can't do that. And, and he was like, yeah, just, just stop doing it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try it. Because it never dawned on me that I could just not have a free consult. And I think it was almost a month ago I took it off and I haven't seen a change in sales at all. Um, people are either booking the appointments or they're calling. Now, 
because they didn't know there was a free consult there before, a lot of them call. And then I know how to sell my pitches. Um, I've got it down to where I don't let people talk for 15 minutes anymore. I kind of let them tell me a little bit, and then I chime in with my prices and either book it or I give them a link to call and schedule later. I've learned that some people just want the info, and they will decide later. And sometimes they do. It takes some months. Either way, I'm not going to waste my time on trying to land a sale when I've got other things to do. And with how I work, I'm sometimes outside of people's budgets or boss needs to approve it or whatever. So anyway, this guy, though, um, he actually put out a request on my contact form to say, we're looking for someone to just talk us through Office 365 and just let us know about the products because we're really lost and we bought it and we don't know what to do. And I said, yeah, well, you can book an appointment. <laughs> and uh, I've done that before, but I was like, good. So I didn't have to do, do a free consult to tell him that I have to pay. It bypassed that. And he paid for an hour. It was 30 minutes. I answered all of his questions. And I already have a list of questions I ask people in the consult because I really want to get to know them. And if I ask them questions, it kind of builds the relationship up because I can answer the questions or I know solutions or I tell them. If they're paying me, I will gladly tell them what's not going to work and what will work because I'm getting paid. So, yeah, that was a nice uh, consult job. And for you brick fix techs out there, you know, I had to learn. Don't think about the sale you're going to win. Think about the relationship you want to build because that's what, when they're all comparing you to other people, we're going to win because we're doing the, the, the best consult. You know, we're finding out about them. And I pitched a guy a nine, uh, an eight-hour ticket. So, it's 900 bucks they're going to have to invest. If I hear back from him, at least he knows what he's going to pay. There's no managed services. There's no contracts, and that's it. And I told him I can help him with everything he needs. Okay, and then finally, because of the consults like that, I'm missing out of I – I am making a video right now. I just did them today, actually, a little Office 365 marketing video. I'm going to put it out on LinkedIn and the interwebs and – um, just so people can listen to me talk about the products and then they can book a consult with me. So it's kind of like a, a sales marketing video, but I'm really giving them the free information, but I want them to call me with detailed stuff so I can you know, turn it into a sale sale. <sighs> okay. I think I got everything here. That was a lot this week, you guys, but I've been saving these up while I was working on the show stuff. Uh, looks like we have a new sponsor coming up in a couple months, an additional sponsor, not to replace AppRiver, but a new one. Uh, we just booked it, I think, today, so that was juicy news for me. I will tell you folks about them closer to the time they're going to be the new sponsor, which I'm very excited about. And speaking of sponsors, if anybody wants to sponsor my show, send me an email, lisa at callthatgirl.biz. All right, gang, I'm going to close up the show. Uh, just remember uh, that there's going to be a link for the survey to take to get a free copy of my ebook. And then next show, I'll do another giveaway and I'll try to juice it up now that school started and people are excited to be back to work and summer's over. Um, if you have a story you want to share or want to be a guest on the show, make sure you contact me. If you also need me for anything, a migration or tech, tech help, email me at least at callthatgirl.biz and check out that survey link. This has been a Heyman Hendrickson production, audio supported by Mitch Heyman. Thank you to our sponsor, App River, and Podbean for hosting. That's it for the show this week, gang. See you next time.